But this is an exciting time to be a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe it's an exciting time to be a part of this local body of believers here at Grace Church. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38, Jesus says... Jesus, Jesus says, Jesus, all right, let's remember who's talking here. The harvest is, is truly is plentiful, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I, I just want you to see this here that he says, the harvest truly is plentiful. Now, we can't get by here by just saying, well, you know, he was talking about 2,000 years ago. He is not talking about 2022. Oh, yes, he is. Because this wasn't written. This wasn't even written down and recorded for decades after he said it. It was written for us. It wasn't written for the people standing there. I mean, it was for them when he said it. But it is written for us. And the word of God speaks to us. And we need to hear the words of Jesus. He says that the harvest truly is plentiful. So I think part of this tonight, this word, you know, it really is kind of always this way. But we need to get our attitude right. First of all, the harvest truly is plentiful. There are so many people that need the Lord, so many people that are ready to receive the Lord. He says, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest, send out laborers into his harvest. Why? Because the laborers are few. Now, we don't say laborers much now. We say workers. Workers. I don't come to church to work. I don't want to be a Christian to work. Work, that's, you know, that's what you got to do to make money. I just want to tell you that there is great joy in being involved in the harvest. And when we say workers, yes, there's work involved sometimes. But oh, what joy and what victory there is when we're a part of what God is doing. I want to say I really appreciate uh, Brother Ken's teaching last Wednesday night about praying for the lost. And here it is. Jesus tells us, pray the Lord of the harvest and labors into his harvest. Prayer really is the answer. as That's how we get God's help and we can't do it without God. He is the one that gives the increase. We plant, we, we water, we do our part, but God is the one that gives the increase, and so we always have to pray. But Jesus knew that if the disciples prayed, something would happen in their hearts, and they would be changed. It would prepare them to go out into the harvest. There's an attitude change that happens sometimes when we pray. I want to tell you that if you pray sincerely, whatever you're praying about, the first thing that's going to change is something in your own heart. And I tell you when, you, when you tune in with God and you're truly seeking God's will and really praying that way, I'm telling you, God will always do something in your heart. What's the problem with the harvest? 
Oh, it's not that it's not time. It's not that the field is burnt over. It's not that, you know, our world has become so bad, so bad, bad, bad. No, the problem is the laborers are few. We need more workers. But what will change that? Praying, praying that the Lord of the harvest send laborers into the harvest. Prayer. You know, it opens our eyes. When we pray for people, God helps us to see the needs. He helps us to see the lost and the unchurched as they truly are. You know, when I hear Christians being judgmental and mean-spirited about lost people and unbelievers, I, I, I know one thing for sure. They're not praying sincerely. They might be doing some kind of religious praying, but they're not really praying because I want to tell you, when you really pray for people, it will soften your heart, not harden your heart and make you mean and bitter. No, it'll, it'll put the love of God in you when you really pray right for people. But prayer also, you know, it tunes our heart to the Lord. The more you pray, the more you get in tune with him, and it will also help bring a motivation and a desire to answer that call. And prayer will also give you the opportunity. It'll prepare the way before you. You know, Jesus said, if you're going to uh, take a strong man's, or take, take from a, I'll get this right in a second here. You first got to bind the strong man before you can take his goods. And, and you see, we got to bind the enemy. We got we to gotta do the warfare in prayer before we can go out and really be effective for the Lord. But in John 4.35, when Jesus, they record Jesus saying this, he says, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, look at the harvest. And here's what I want to say about that is that, you see, he wasn't just talking about our physical eyes. He's talking about the attitude of the heart that we need to be harvest minded. We need to look out at this world and see it as a harvest, as a field that's white unto harvest, that's ready. Now, whenever you talk about harvest, I think of farmers. Did you know for a farmer, it's all about the harvest? I mean, the harvest is the key. If that's how, whether or not they're going to make a profit. It all depends on the harvest. Will they be able to buy any new equipment? Well, that depends on how good the harvest was. Will they be able to send the kids to college? Well, that depends on the harvest. Will they be able to keep the farm for another year? Well, that depends on the harvest. But a farm can only go so long without a good harvest. Now, except... And unless it's a hobby farm. Because some people don't farm to make a living. Some people farm just for fun. It doesn't, they don't really have to make a big profit. It's just for an ag exemption. You know, it's just a hobby. It's just a thing they're doing. I mean, a harvest would be nice, but it ain't no big deal. It's not a necessity. Too many churches have become hobby churches. Did you know that most of the fastest growing churches are churches that have not been around for that long? 
Now, there's a whole lot of startup churches that don't make it, but the ones that do, they are reaching the harvest. You know why? Because if they don't, they're going to be one of those ones that didn't make it real quick. I mean, it happens, it happens really fast for those startup churches. They either, they either get the harvest or they go out of business. You understand what I'm saying? But a lot of churches just kind of become hobby churches. You know, we don't have to win the lost. We're doing okay. We can, we can make it another day. You know, it, it's just kind of hobby winning the lost. You know why there's so many hobby churches? Because there's so many hobby Christians. Don't be a hobby Christian. This is not maintenance ministry. No, we make disciples and disciples make disciples. Amen. We are doing this because our Lord has called us. Our Lord has commissioned us. He has sent us out. And reaching the lost is not just a hobby for us. We're in a war. It's for the eternal souls of men and women and young people and children. We're in a war. And we need to never, ever be content to just go to church and have our needs met and our family's needs met, but not be reaching out. No. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. See, we're not holding the fort. Oh, we got to hold out against the gates of hell. The gates of hell are not coming after us. They're gates. Gates don't move. We're supposed to be crashing the gates of hell. We're supposed to be going out into this world and seeing people's lives change. God wants to use us that way. And we need to understand. Now, I know that sometimes, you know, people start getting nervous when preachers start talking this way. You know, what are you going to make me do, preacher? What are you trying to get? I, I just want to tell you that we get our attitude right. It's amazing how God can use us. Just right where we are in our everyday, normal kind of life, going through our business, that God can open the door and God can use us if we're willing and available. But so many people right here in DFW, I'm telling you, they are open to the gospel and we need to be ready to share with them what we have. So many people, they're open to a relationship with God. You know, a lot of them have been turned off by dead religion. A lot of them have been uh, turned off by formality and tradition. And some of them have been turned off by phonies. They want to see something real. They want to see something genuine. In fact, there's a whole lot of people that, are, that at one time went to church, and now they're just out of church because, you know what, they got around some church people that acted more like Pharisees than Jesus and they just didn't want any part of that anymore. But you know what they need to see? They need to see some real believers, some genuine articles, some people that are really following Jesus. And you know what? I just think that, that Grace Church is that. I'm talking about you. I really do. I think that this is the most genuine group of people, loving people, kind people, 
let me tell you, not perfect at all. Nobody's really looking for a perfect church. I mean, well, let me take that back. Some religious people are. Some religious people that, you know, they're better than everybody else and no church is good enough for them. But I'm talking about lost people, unchurched people, believers that are out of church. They're not looking for a perfect church because guess what? They know they couldn't go there. But what they are looking for is people that are genuine, people that are real, people that are loving and kind, that won't judge them and be mean to them, but will accept them and love them and care about them. I'm just telling you that there's a lot of people looking for a church like you. And you need to get this. You need to understand this because, see, in the time we live in, there's so many weird things going on out in the religious world and just all kinds of goofy stuff. But people like you, a church like you, a person like you, I'm telling you that when they see God in your life and how the Lord has helped you through the hard times, how he's helped you with your kids and your marriage and how things, you know, not that you don't have battles. No, that when you have battles, that God is there with you and he helps. They need to see what you have. And when they see that, you see, when you tell them what the Lord has done for you, that's what it means to be a witness. And when you tell them what the Lord has done for you, I'm telling you, there are so many people that will respond to that. Not everybody. But so many. The harvest, the harvest truly is plentiful. So many people out there believe in God. But they just need to see something real, something genuine. Matthew 5, 13 through 16, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. See, if we get to the place where we no longer have an impact, we're not good for anything. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp, put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a, on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I tell you, people need to see that we're real. And one of the ways they see that we're real is by the way we live our life, the things that we do by our good deeds. Do something good for somebody. Just do something nice for somebody. Just, you know... Help somebody. Just bless somebody. Just go out of your way to do something for somebody that doesn't deserve it. I'm not talking about when you owe somebody, they did something for you, you don't do something for them. That's what the heathens do, right? Pagans do. No. Do something nice for somebody that just was uncalled for. But they'll see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. One thing's for sure... We can't have an impact if we just hide out. No, a city on a hill cannot be hid. We're the light of the world. And I'm telling you, we need to realize how many people there are out there 
I know how, many, how often this happens to me, and I'm sure that it happens to you, is that I cross paths with people a lot who say, I used to go to church. Anybody else? I used to go, I used to go, I used to go. The Lord wants every one of those people back. In fact, you know, well, let's just go to Luke chapter 15, verse 4 through 7. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together. He says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You see, heaven gets more excited about one of those people that I used to go to church, but no more. When we get them back, when we get them to come back to the Lord, that excites heaven far more than 99 of us getting together and just saying, well, praise the Lord, I'm so blessed. There's rejoicing in heaven. But here's what I know as a pastor, is that it not only blesses heaven and there's joy in heaven, There's joy in the church when people are coming in. Amen. And you know what? We've experienced that. But I just tell you, there's so much more. There's a plentiful harvest that's out there waiting. See, that's what Jesus is telling the disciples, that it's ready. So if you can think of somebody that's not in church anymore, sometimes they... They say they're going to another, ch- I'm going to go to another church. And listen to me, if they're going to another church, leave them alone. But sometimes people say that and they just kind of drop out. And if they're out of church, man, you need to go after them. If you don't, who is? But Jesus tells us, we got to go after that one. He talks about how that shepherd, when he finds that one, he carries him home on his shoulder. Now, you don't have to carry him. But you know what? Sometimes it helps if you say, I'll pick you up. If you can't pick somebody up for, for church, you need to go pray some more. And sometimes, you know, Sometimes you tell them, and I'll take you to lunch after. Mm -hmm. Everybody, everybody, everybody needs the Lord. Some don't know it, but everybody needs the Lord. Everybody has needs. Oh, yeah, even the rich guy. Everybody has needs. Everybody you come in contact with, everybody that you cross paths with, 
they have needs. Some have health problems, some have financial needs, some have addictions, some kind of unhealthy dependency in their life. There's some who are searching and they don't even know what it is they're searching for. They just got that hunger, that thirst on the inside for something. Some have a need for real friends. Some have family problems. Some are going through a divorce. Some are really struggling, trying to raise their kids. The kids are going wild. Some need direction in their life. Some are are just so stressed out and worried. Some need the peace of God. Some are depressed and down and have no joy. I'm just telling you, everybody has needs. Some people just need to belong and feel love. Everybody has needs. Some people need significance. They're just living out their days and doesn't seem like it matters. They need to make a difference. Some people... They need you to tell them that the Lord can meet their needs. We need to know that Jesus meets the needs of mankind. Jesus has what they need. And I want to tell you, as a believer, you got Jesus in you. I'm telling you, something inside of you, Jesus wants to meet that need through you. See, Jesus is the one that can give them peace, Prince of Peace. Jesus is the one that can give them joy that overflows. Jesus is the one who can heal them. Jesus is the one who sets free. Jesus is the one that satisfies the longing soul. Jesus is the one that can meet their needs. Everybody has needs, and Jesus is the one who can meet those needs. And Jesus has commissioned you, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, all authority. I'm telling you, the sovereign Lord, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, there's a couple of things I just want to mention briefly here, real quickly, is that Jesus told us to go and make disciples. He didn't say, get somebody to pray a prayer. He said, make disciples. We want to see people truly following the Lord. We want to see people serving God, living in the blessings of God and all that he has for them, living the abundant life that Jesus came to give. That's what we want to see. We want to see people become disciples. He says, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. Now, that doesn't happen just in a day. Now, I want to tell you, that's why we need to get them in church. Somehow or another, this idea, this attitude has gotten out there that, well, we just talk to them about the Lord. It don't matter if they come to church. Yes, it does. They need to grow. They need to learn. They need to get in and have fellowship and connection and be part of a body. People need this. This is how we teach them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. Even to the end of the age, he says. Now, we call this the Great Commission because Jesus commissioned us. Get this. Again, this was not written 
for a few hundred disciples 2,000 years ago. This was written for us. We have been commissioned. That, see, the one who has all authority, he has authorized you. Paul says we are ambassadors for Christ. We are his representatives. You, you. You might say, oh, wait a minute, Pastor. Not me. You don't understand. I'm telling you, if you're a born-again child of God, you have been authorized and commissioned. You need, to, you need to get this attitude. God wants to use me. There are friends, there are family, there are acquaintances, people that you cross paths with that God wants to use you. Don't get quiet on me now. The king of the universe, the sovereign Lord, he's authorized you. You know, I think it's good when all believers study the word of God. But hear me now. You don't have to go to seminary or Bible school or know 40,000 verses so that you can talk to somebody about the Lord. You just need to tell them what God has done in your life. You need to be willing to be a witness. And, you know, you don't have to teach them everything. Get them to church. Get them to church. But I'm telling you that he, Jesus, uses believers. And the vast majority of believers that are serving God today, listen to me, they were won to the Lord or invited to church by a friend, a family member, or an acquaintance. Oh, there's a few. Less than 1% are won by watching something on TV. There's a few that are won by a mass evangelism event. There's a few that are won by a preacher. But the vast majority are won by somebody like you. See, you need to get this. It's somebody like you. That's the truth. That's the statistical truth. You. I'm trying to look at every one of you. Preacher's looking at me. That's right. What if, what if you made it your goal to get one person in church this year? And I say get in church because, number one, there's a whole, whole lot of people out there trying to do it on their own who believe in the Lord. But, man, they're struggling. They're not doing good. They need a body of believers. Jesus tells that parable about the lost, but we need to understand that it applies to those people too. But also with the lost, They need to come in. What if you made it your goal to get one person in church this year? What if this church doubled in a year? Wow. 
That would be amazing. It should. It should. We should be able to get one in a year. Now, some of you, you're just thinking, one, that's way too easy. That's right. Some of you, you need to get 10 this year. But get one. Make up your mind. I'm going to get one. I mean, I can do one. I'm going to get one person this year. One person. I'm going to get somebody destined for heaven. I'm going to do something this year. I'm not just going to talk and I'm not just going to watch other people. I'm going to make it my goal. One person is going to be in church serving God this year because I stuck with it until they were. Okay. I really believe that a born-again believer has something deep down on the inside of them that causes them to want to be used of God. There's a, there's a need there to want to be used of God. And, to, and I just encourage you in that. See, I think the enemy just beats people down and convinces them that they can't do it. That somebody else, but it's a lie. See, he has given us his Holy Spirit. You, Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. Jesus said we would receive power and we would be witnesses of him. Again, a witness tells what they've seen, what they've heard, what they've experienced. You need to tell people what God has done in your life. That is so powerful. In fact, it is super hard to argue with a testimony. I mean, you can argue about verses and doctrine and all kinds of things, but when somebody tells you, I didn't have peace, and I was about to commit suicide, but I prayed and the Lord gave me peace. He helped me. They can't argue with that. I mean, they could call you a liar, but guess what? They won't. I'm just telling you, tell people what the Lord has done in your life. Tell them what he means to you. What a powerful thing it is when we just do what Jesus said. And here's the thing. We're not doing it on our own. No, Jesus said when he sent us, he said, Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. He's with us through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us all the time. And he helps us. He empowers us. Just as much as by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit helps the preacher in the pulpit. The Holy Spirit helps every believer when we're talking to somebody about the Lord or sharing what God has done in our life. And last, the same Holy Spirit pours the love of God into our hearts. Romans 5, 5, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And here's the thing. You see, it is never about a notch on our belt. It is never about brownie points with God. You know, look how good I'm doing. It is always about loving people. That's why. I mean, yes, we should reach them because the Lord told us to. Yes, but 
If it's not done in love, it won't ever be fruitful. You can't leave the love out. Jesus said that that's how they would know that we were one of his disciples is because of the love that we had for one another. And I'm telling you, this is part of what the world desperately needs to see in us. This is what really makes us genuine to the world. It's the way that we love. And they know. They know. You need Jesus. That has never, ever worked on anybody. Anger and that kind of religious condescension, that doesn't work. But what does work is loving people and caring about people and loving them enough to share what you have. I hope, I hope that I have done this in the right way tonight. I'm a little wound up, but I, I just want you to understand that our Savior, He, he compels us to go. And the love of God compels us to go and to reach out to people. And you know what? Even if all you can do is just invite somebody to church, you just don't know that just a simple invitation might save somebody. I mean, growing up, I always believed I was a Christian. I mean, that's just, I thought everybody in America was a Christian. I mean, as far back as I can remember as a little bitty kid, well, of course we're Christians. But I didn't live for God, and I didn't serve God, and I was messed up, messed up little heathen. I'm so glad that 45 years ago, somebody invited me to church, and my life has never been the same. I'm glad somebody invited you. Are you glad somebody invited me? Thank you, all 12 of you. My wife is glad, aren't you, darling? I'm glad somebody invited me to church. You just don't know what a difference just an invitation might make. Don't invite them and then never speak to them. That's not what happened to me. I was invited and I found friends and belonging and people who cared about me and helped me really find the Lord and get close to God. I'm just telling you, we all need that. But just a simple invitation, just getting them to come, wow, and change somebody's eternity. People that you cross paths with, they're having problems with their kids. Invite them to church. They lost their job. Invite them to church. They're struggling with some addiction. Invite them to church. See, they have needs. And let me tell you, Jesus can meet those needs. We just got to get them to Jesus. Stand with me. We're going to pray.